Tonight on Huckabee, Senator Mike Rounds on fair elections and nominations. Sean Spicer joins us for an insider briefing and country artist Colin Ray performs. What a great crowd we have here tonight. And did you know something? This is the last show of our first year. We have completed one year of shows here in our theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of 52 shows right here. I'll tell you, it's hard to believe we've been doing this a year because we are having some kind of fun. It seems like we just got started, and frankly, we did. Okay, look, I learned some things raising kids and training dogs. Here's what I learned. If there's a behavior that you want more of, what do you do? You reward it. And if there's a behavior that you want less of, you consequence it. Now, I would say that you punish it, but in these days of political correctness, we don't punish anymore. We just consequence it with things like time out. Boy, I wish that had been around in my day. Instead, I grew up with a very patriotic father. He laid on the stripes, I saw the stars. <laughs> I wonder if we apply the common sense of raising kids and training dogs to the economy. Here's what would happen. We would reward productivity and we would consequence inactivity. I mean, let's think about it. What would make for a strong economy? Things like work, savings, investment, and long-term planning. Those are key factors for a strong economy but our current tax structure punishes those things. That's right. A tax is like a punishment. And we tax work with the income tax. We tax the money that you save with a tax on savings. We tax your investments if they're good, and we tax those with capital gains and tax on dividends. And if you set aside money for your latter days, as well as to leave something for the next generation, we actually tax you after you die with estate taxes. But the same tax system rewards you for not working by giving you tax-free subsidies in income, food, housing, healthcare, and transportation. And if you make a bad investment, we reward you by letting you write it off your tax obligations. If you spend every single dime and leave nothing for your final days, or anything for those after you, you'll be taken care of by the government. This insanity is why I've been a strong supporter of the fair tax. Now, the fair tax is pretty simple. We eliminate the IRS altogether. We get rid of them. Yes, we do. And we are not taxed on what we produce. Rather, we're taxed only on what we consume. Simply put, no more taxes on work, investment, savings, or dying. We pay taxes when we buy something instead of when we produce something. Of course, we understand we need some form of tax or revenue to provide for the military, roads, police, and fire departments, schools, and government essentials. But the fair tax is flat, fair, finite, and family-friendly. You control how much tax you pay by how much stuff you buy. And it would mean getting your entire paycheck Nothing would be taken out. Right now, you loan the government money and you get nothing for it. It would uh, also mean that people who don't pay the same taxes that you do because they operate in the underground economy, I'm talking people like drug dealers, prostitutes, pimps, and gamblers. Let me assure you, they ain't filling out 1040 forms. <laughs> but they'd start paying because while they may not file those tax returns, they still buy stuff and they'd pay like the rest of us. Economists like Stephen Moore say the fair tax would supercharge the economy. So if it would work so well, why won't the politicians pass it? Because of the dirty little secret about the tax code. You see, the tax code is used to create winners and losers. And those who contribute to the campaigns, they get favors in the tax code, and they're the winners. And those who don't give big bucks, 
They don't get special treatment in the tax code, and they end up losers. I've raised kids, and I've trained dogs. Formula's pretty simple and fair. And taxes ought to be as simple, as fair, and as common sense as that. And that is my view. Well, my first guest was a successful businessman as well as governor of South Dakota before becoming that state senator in the year 2015. He serves on five important committees, ranging from banking and small business to the military, veterans affairs, and the environment. He spent one-on-one -on -one time with Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, and he's had a front row seat for the confirmation hearings that have sometimes degenerated into a mud fight. Maybe we should ask, can the Senate ever be pulled back from its worst partisan impulses? We'll talk about that right now with Senator Mike Rounds. Maybe I should tell everybody that we've been longtime friends. We have. Served together as governors of our respective states and have spent a lot of time. Should we tell them that we were invited to sing the national anthem at Lambeau Field in well, Green Bay, Wisconsin? Let's just say that uh, Governor Huckabee was invited to sing and he needed a chorus. <laughs> and Is that you fair? and uh, then Governor Dirk Kempthorne, we all went to the middle of the field and we did it. And I'm surprised there's not a plaque up at that. And, and it was amazing how bright the lights were. That's right. Lambeau Field. That's right. This Someday we'll tell you the rest yeah. of the story. <laughs> One of the things you have been working on diligently is cybersecurity. You're the chairman of that subcommittee. We know it's important, but do we even want to know how important it is? Yeah, I, I, th I think we do. Look, here's the, the, the deal. Cyber impacts everything. If you're going to go to the bank, if uh, you're going to turn your water on, if you're going to turn an electric light on, everything is connected now by computers. Same thing with the infrastructure that our national government works on with regard to financial institutions, our Defense Department, and so forth. Today, the United States uh, uh, Department of Defense has responsibilities in air, land, sea, and also in the cyber realm. Because if the bad guys can get in and impact any one of your aircraft or your ships or your armed forces that are on land, they can slow down the capabilities that we have as a nation. And so one of our responsibilities is to expedite our ability to not only defend against those attacks coming in from overseas, but to also be able to respond aggressively and go after the bad guys before they actually hurt people in our country. Is there any evidence at all that any foreign government, China, Russia, anybody, has tapped into our voting system and changed votes? No. So there's two parts to it. Number one is, is are they getting in and actually impacting the election systems themselves? The answer to that is no. And in fact, we're actually doing more now with the, the Safe Elections Act. Mm. Uh, we're spending about $380 million coming up to make sure that every single state has a, an election system that if you even suspect there's something wrong, we can go back in and audit the results to make sure nobody tampered. But the other part, the impact of them actually meddling in the information, providing propaganda, that has been ongoing. Now, I'm gonna give the president a lot of credit for this. He did an executive order just recently, September 4th, in which he made it very clear to every country out there that if they get in and they're caught meddling in our election process, that there will be sanctions imposed rapidly by the Secretary of the Treasury and the Secretary of State, and it will be an expedited process. You know, I'm wondering if we're going to have to do something about uh, U.S. companies like Google and Twitter that seem to taint information and lean it one way or the other, because that is a serious issue. How do you deal with that? Transparency. What we want is, is transparency throughout the process, which means even if these folks are going to try to do something, and, and, and I, I truly don't believe that there's a conspiracy out there to do that. But if there is the case where you have individuals who can manipulate something, the best way to address it is transparency, to allow people more opportunities to look at differing points of view. It's like not having a monopoly on good information. So the more good data we can get from multiple sources, the better off we're going to be. Senator, let's talk about uh, the contentious nature of Washington and specifically the Senate. We've seen it through the Kavanaugh hearings. It's been uh, a rough and tumble moment. Uh, do you give us any hope that there can be some type of 
time when we would return, where there would still be strong differences and, and sharp political battles, but civility. I can tell you there are Republicans and Democrats alike that I really respect. They care deeply about this country. They may have differing points of view about where we want to go and how we want to get there, but they're good people, and they really do care. And it doesn't make the news, but I can just tell you, there's groups of us that do prayer breakfasts. There's groups of us that do Bible studies. And we do it on a bipartisan basis. We sit down and, and we do it together. You can't do anything in the United States Senate without bipartisan work. But take a look at what we've been able to do. Uh, and, and this may sound like it's not much, but for the Senate, this is a lot. Uh, first of all, uh, we've actually passed the National Defense Authorization Act for the earliest time in literally decades. We did it, and this is the new John S. McCain National Defense Authorization Act. This is already done, it's passed, and, and it isn't even, it isn't even or it isn't even October yet. This is just unheard of in the, you know, the current situation in Washington. We've actually agreed to a budget for two years in a row. We've actually got an appropriations process that will do defense and non-defense spending, which is only about 30% of the budget, but we're gonna have more than three quarters of it done before October 1st. Some people will say you ought to have the whole thing done, and I agree, but it hasn't been done in over 20 years. But we're doing it because we're working side by side to try to show the American people that we really do want to get some things done. Well, I hope you can be successful at it because the country depends upon it. It does. Senator, it is great having you here. It's great to see you. Give my best to Gene, your family. And to you, Janet. Uh, wonderful, wonderful folks you are. South Dakota people, salt of the earth. What you see here, you. what you see with this gentleman in front of the cameras is the way he is in real life every single day. He's the real guy. And I, I just really appreciate the opportunity. That is very Thank kind. You. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very much. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, my thanks to Senator Mike Rounds for joining us. I hope that senators like Mike Rounds can help some sanity prevail and decency could be restored to the functions of our government. If you'd like to keep up with them online, visit rounds.senate.gov. Okay, Rick. What else we got coming up around the corner? Coming up, former White House press secretary Sean Spicer, and later, meet the Owen and only Chewbacca mom, Candace Payne. Plus, country music star Colin Ray. More Huckabee is on the way. My next guest's former job was President Trump's press secretary. That is before someone I know rather well ended up with a job. But before that turn in the media rotisserie, he had a long career in the top levels of Republican politics. He's an in-demand speaker, consultant, best-selling author of the first book by a top-level Trump insider. And I've got it right here. It's called The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. Please welcome Sean Spicer. Sean, great having Thanks, you here. It's very apparent that the response you're getting from this audience is a little different than the one you got in the press room. Slightly. <laughs> How hard was it to walk into what, from day one, was an incredibly hostile and antagonistic environment? Yes. <laughs> uh, look, I'm the first person to admit I've screwed up, I've made mistakes. Uh, there are days when I wasn't proud of, of my behavior or the tone and tenor, or I thought to myself, as someone who, who's faith has guided them. I said, you know, God definitely thought I could have done a better job today. Uh, but I, I said, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. And yet there's a lack of forgiveness, I think, in that room for a lot of folks that is Did not... Did you ever want to just jump over the podium and go out there and use some of those Navy skills? Because you were a Navy guy. <laughs> and there's a, a little bit of an Irishman in Sean Spicer. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, that, that happened multiple times in briefing. <laughs> where you, uh, but... Uh, I had a feeling that that would turn into another meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no doubt that it no would have. The press secretary, probably more than anyone, maybe other than the chief of staff, is maybe the person who's in and out of the Oval Office more than anybody. So I, I think your book has some authority that maybe Bob Woodward's book does not have. Whereas someone else from the outside is relying on other people's accounts that in many cases are seeking to you know, either rewrite history or to advance someone's personal agenda or go after somebody that they may have a grudge against. My, my, my goal in this book was to talk about who I am as a person and give people some behind the scenes um, looks at the convention, the campaign, and, and even the White House, the first six months, to talk about what it's like every day to be there, 
um, some of the interactions that you had and what they felt like. How frustrating was it, is it, when people who say they're in the middle of the White House leak and they tell things and they, in essence, betray the very person who gives them a paycheck? It's horrible. Uh, I've never been, you know, 20 years in the military, almost 20 years in the military, 10 different members of Congress and countless other folks. I've never been in an organization where you can't trust people the way that you can't there. And it's, I think that is a disservice to the president's, but a greater disservice to the country. Uh, you are there. Um, if, you don't, if you don't believe it's an honor and privilege every day to be there, then you should leave. I remember when I walked out the last day, I walked out with Sarah and a couple of the other folks. And there's a picture in the middle of the book. The gate to the White House was closing. We were going out afterwards to celebrate. And we walked out the South Lawn, and the gate to the White House had opened up to let us out. And the Secret Service agent opened it. And they turned around, and I said, guys, can we stop for a moment? And I turned, and I watched that gate close, and I took a picture of it. Hmm. You have to understand, and I know you get this from, you know, you can't just, I mean, you probably can walk back into the governor's mansion. But, no, they won't uh, let me back <laughs> but, in. They, they've asked you, me never to show up. You know, the show show White House is, is that special of a place. Yeah. You can't just walk back in. And I knew that, yeah, the agent probably knew my name, but the second that gate closed, it was my last day. Yeah. And you can't just go back in. And, and I wanted to reflect on how special um, that day was and that moment was going to be in my life going forward. You could have written a tacky tell-all if you wanted to. You could have made stuff up, or you could have told the worst things about uh, this White House and the presidency. You did not. Correct. Is it because you believe that there's a lot going on there that the public does not really appreciate or understand? No, if someone can't trust you, can't trust your word, can't trust that you're going to uh, to give you counsel and advice and then go around and, and, and show, share with the world what you've told them or share some of the interactions that you had, then what, what, how can the next person trust you? So you'll notice I've worked for over 10 members of Congress. There's not, I don't think, a negative word about a single one of them. I don't want, I would rather make less money and sell less books but have people saying, you know what, he's someone who's loyal and trustworthy. To me, that is, uh, that is a quality that... If that's the knock against me, I'll take it every day of the week. Sean, I think there's a simple word that sums that up. It's called integrity, uh. and you have it. You're also doing some, I think, some maybe incredible work with uh, what's called the Independence Fund. I want you to tell me a little bit about what that yeah. is about. It's an organization that raises money uh, specifically for adaptable wheelchairs so that uh, injured service members who enjoyed a quality of life in the past and like to do things like hunting and fishing and skiing, uh, that no longer are able to do that because in the way that they did prior to their injury, have the opportunity. The Independence Fund raises the money, brings them adaptable wheelchairs, adaptable sporting equipment like rowing machines, so that they can get out back on the water, that they can go skiing, they can go hunting, they can enjoy the outdoors to maybe not the same degree that they did before their injury, but at a level that they can't currently uh, without it. We have a special guest here tonight. J.C. Cook is with us. And uh, for eight years, he served honorably in the United States Navy. He broke his leg while working, had an unfortunate surgery that led to an amputation because of an infection, forced out of the military, struggled to get back into civilian life because of uh, the extraordinary disability, uh, has a great love of outdoors, loves to f uh, hunt, loves to be outdoors, but it's really difficult because of the mobility concerns. So uh, we'd like to introduce him to you. And uh, Sean is uh, very much a part of making it possible for JC to have the mobility that he wouldn't have had without the Independence Fund. Sean, let's go meet JC Cook. How are you doing? Thanks so much. Great to see you. Well, JC, you earned that ovation right there. And I want to say thanks on behalf of all of us who benefit from the service of folks like you. Uh, I got to tell you, this is a pretty cool rig. And when you drove it out here, the one thing I was hoping you didn't run over my foot with it. <laughs> Uh, and you didn't, you, you drive it pretty well. What will this particular device mean for you? You know, uh, this track chair means, means freedom for me. Um, there's, there's a lot of times with a prosthetic leg where uh, you get too much skin breakdown. If I do too much activity one day, 
I'm not able to wear my leg for two to three days while the skin um, repairs itself. And with this chair, no matter how my leg's feeling, um, instead of being trapped on the couch for those two to three days, I can do like I did this last weekend and uh, went dove hunting for three days mm. um, with the help of a, a organization called Make a Difference Outdoor, whose uh, whose primary mission is to to get uh, vets and disabled people to uh, get out of the house, be able to try to live a normal life, and um, you know not have excuses. The Independence Fund has helped over 2,000 veterans mm. have that level of freedom that JC has now. And it is, they are so deserving of it, to get back just that piece of life. You know, I, JC's talking about being outside and just that ability to go back and do what they love to do after the service that they've provided to this country is just a small way that the Independence Fund is helping to give back to these folks. I, I want to commend Sean Spicer's best-selling book. I hope you'll get a copy of it. It's called The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. I want to tell you, it's a lot more trustworthy than most of the books about the Trump White House. And I can attest to that. And I think if you really want to know what's going on, you'll get Sean Spicer's book and get a lot more information. You can find it at all major book retailers. It's all over the place. You can also get autographed copies as well as listen to Sean's podcast at seanspicer.com. That's pretty easy. Follow at Sean Spicer on Twitter as well. Sean, thank you. Thank JC, you. thank you. Honored to have both you gentlemen here. Rick, tell us what we have to spice up the rest of the night. Up next, hilarious headlines on In Case You Missed It. And New York Times bestselling author Ronald Kessler reveals how President Donald Trump is changing the rules of the game in Washington. All this and more on Huckabee when we return. Our first president, George Washington, once declared, the Constitution is the guide which I will never abandon. He and our first citizens sacrificed sweat, blood, and their very lives to give us the amazing country we call America, as well as to give us the Constitution that guides us and our leaders. Isn't it time you had a refresher on this amazing document and all that it has given you and your family? Well, if you can visit Hillsdale College online today, you can learn more about their very fantastic free course, yes, free course on the U.S. Constitution, and why we have to understand it and protect it in order to preserve our liberties and freedom. Join Hillsdale for this free online course. All right, from a criminal who was foiled by his slacks to a criminal apprehended by toxic algae, We've got unbelievable but true stories for you in a little segment that we like to call In Case You Missed It. Dateline, Aurora, Colorado. A robber was caught on surveillance video attempting to rob a merchant, and his efforts look like a real-life version of Woody Allen's classic comedy, Take the Money and Run. The would-be thief entered an e-cigarette store and yanked out a pistol. But it slipped out of his hand and went sliding across the counter to the clerk. She picked up the pistol, and suddenly his plan was going up in smoke. Changing movie themes, he attempted a ninja-style kick to the door in his escape, but he wasn't wearing a black belt. For that matter, he wasn't wearing any belt. And his pants fell to his ankles to slow his getaway. Folks, you know you're having a bad day when your pants falling down is only the second worst thing that happens at your job. He finally managed to pull his pants up and run. Colorado police are on the lookout for a terrible criminal with sagging britches and a wounded ego. Hollywood is helping out with a manhunt as they want to cast him in Dumb and Dumber Part 3. Now, the U.S. Postal Service works hard to ensure that our mail arrives on time, but outside Milwaukee, in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, the biggest postal challenge was a sticky-fingered mail carrier. Ebony LaVon Smith pleaded guilty to sorting through the mail that she was supposed to deliver and picking out birthday cards, wedding cards, and other special occasion letters to pluck the cash and gift cards that were in them. After enough, Wauwatosa complained of missing gifts by way of mail, 
Postal authorities placed a transmitter in a card, and they caught Ms. Smith opening it. They discovered cash, open mail, and letter openers along with tape to reseal the letters. The Postal Service was also contacted by Wrench and Go Auto Salvage about mail that was found in the rear of a car they were starting to scrap. It contained 6,625 first-class greeting card envelopes and 540 personal checks, some within their greeting card with envelopes. Also had 45 unopened greeting cards. Ms. Smith pleaded guilty to theft or receipt of stolen mail, and she's going to be sentenced at a later date. Perhaps the motto of the USPS will be updated to now say, neither snow nor rain nor Ms. Smith will keep them from delivering the mail in greater Milwaukee. Oh, and a note to all my creditors in Wauwatosa. I told you the check was in the mail. Next time, please believe me. And from our Murder, She Wrote files, a woman who shot her husband is also an author. She once wrote an essay entitled, How to Murder Your Husband. <laughs> Nancy Crampton Brophy wrote that as a romantic suspense writer. She, quote, spent a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently police procedure, end quote. Her romance novels include titles like The Wrong Husband. Crampton Brophy's alleged victim is her deceased husband of 27 years, Chef Daniel Brophy. No word on how their personal relationship or his culinary skills impacted her writings or decisions, but while he was cooking up a fish dish, she was cooking up a plot for him to sleep with the fishes. Police arrested her on a preliminary charge of domestic violence murder. Mr. Brophy was a culinary instructor who was well-liked by his students, but apparently not so much by his wife. The police have not offered a motive for the killing yet, but we offer these motivations from her 2011 essay on killing a husband, infidelity, abuse, or greed. Crampton Brophy wrote, divorce is expensive, and do you really want to split your possessions? Obviously, a practical one to her. In her defense, however, she did write, I don't want to worry about blood and brains splattered on my walls. And really, I'm not good at remembering lies. Well, Nancy, we want to encourage you to tell the truth about this terrible incident with your husband because no matter the cost, you're going to be able to write one whale of a romance murder mystery from an up and close personal view if you're found guilty. And by the way, you're going to have plenty of time to do it like the rest of your natural life. <laughs> now, from our Florida Again file, a driver who fled police in Florida after a traffic stop for speeding decided to jump into a canal in order to aid in his escape, only to find out that nature, that's right, nature was working with the police department. 22-year-old Abraham Duarte landed in the canal and was quickly overcome by a bluish-green toxic algae that had been killing wildlife all summer. After getting a swallow of it, Duarte immediately started to cry out to the police who had been chasing him, and he was begging them for help. Police set up a parameter and uh, he was crying out, I'm going to die, as he wiggled through the toxic muck. He got himself in the middle of the algae, and he's not liking it very much, one officer said. Duarte took turns retching and cursing as he worked his way back to the edge of the canal where officers pulled him to safety. Police officers hosed the blue-colored algae off of him, and then they got him to a hospital. They found that speeding wasn't the only reason that Mr. Duarte was fleeing. He had seven vials of THC also in his possession. Duarte is still dealing with respiratory and stomach issues days after being exposed to the blue algae. He told the local press, it smells like, well, it, it smells real bad. Let me just leave it there. <laughs> Mr. Duarte has been charged with possession of a controlled substance and resisting arrest. His attempt to impersonate a Smurf using toxic <laughs> algae was apparently dropped. And that's all the time we have for this week. Listen to that sigh of relief from our audience. It's okay to be relieved, but remember to be thankful as well because we read the news so you don't have to. Well, just who is President Donald J. Trump? Some recent books about him that are filled with anonymous sources and fake quotes uh, probably ought to be filed under fiction. But we have one by a top investigative journalist who has known the president and first lady personally for over two decades. He says the Trump White House changing the rules of the game is an unbiased inside story. 
And that's exactly what we need. Would you welcome, please, New York Times bestselling author, Ronald Kessler. You have known uh, President Trump for many, many years when nobody thought he would ever run for the presidency, much less become the president. What is it about him that gave you reason to believe before he was elected that he would be elected? I thought that the combination of his business success and his uh, political savvy uh, and his, um, you know, his ability to, to psych out what the American people want, uh, patriotism, uh, strong military, uh, support of, the law, of law enforcement. Those are the things that people want, and I think he, uh, he really uh, keyed into that. I, I think there's no doubt that that resonates with so many Americans. It seems like that a lot of people in the press uh, are shocked that the supporters that he had to be elected are still with him. Are you surprised that people are still uh, supporting the president after a year and a half in office? Not at all, because, you know, if you... Uh, are savvy and look at the big picture, you see the incredible achievements. That's why we elected a president. Uh, the uh, record low black unemployment rate the, uh, since 1972, the uh, record low uh, uh, unemployment uh, uh, applications, uh, the stock market, the tax cuts, and then on the foreign side, uh, just, just incredible achievements meeting with uh, the North Korean leader. Um, for any president, that, that's unprecedented. So uh, on the one hand, you know, he, he blurts out these tweets and comments that are, I think, things that make all of us cringe some, sometimes. Uh, but there's actually a method to the madness. It makes him the center of attention every single day in conversations, in, in the media, and that gives him power. Everyone wants to be on his good side. They're afraid of him attacking them. Uh, so a lot of it is, is just psychological. And of course, that blends into the whole uh, economic side. Uh, the fact that he is a cheerleader for American business is deregulating, as opposed to Obama, who, who uh, demonized big biz business and small business. That's making a huge difference. Melania Trump is still somewhat of a mystery to a lot of Americans. Why is she not getting the kind of attention that maybe Michelle Obama or Laura Bush or Nancy Reagan or Barbara Bush or any other first lady well, has, it, has it is the, the media bias. Uh, you know, I know from the inside that uh, to say anything positive about Melania or Trump is, is considered, uh, you know, uh, uh, a horrible, uh, horrible thing within the press. Melania is actually a very powerful force behind the scene. scenes. She sits in on meetings. She acts as a very powerful aide. She will summarize what others say in meetings, and then she'll come up with her own strategy. I quote, quote uh, Reince Priebus as saying that her judgment is impeccable, but she's also not afraid to uh, disagree with Trump. And I'm a kind of journalist who just likes to tell the truth. It's, it's sort of unusual now. Uh, it's very unusual now, to be honest the, with you. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, uh, April Ryan, uh, this uh, radio correspondent and CNN analyst, would actually publicly uh, in a briefing in the White House, uh, insinuate that your daughter, Sarah Sanders, had not really made a pecan pie and was <laughs> lying about it. That is, is, is just incredible. And when I was at the Washington Post during Watergate years, anybody who did that would have been fired just like that. Well, and you know, what I don't think April understood was there are a lot of things you can say to a Southern woman that they will forgive. Don't ever mess with a Southern woman when it comes to whether or not she made her own pie. There you go. You don't do that. Yeah, just don't do it. You have uh, you've had access to the president in writing this book, something that Bob Woodward didn't have. You were a colleague of his at the Washington Post, so you know him well, but you know the president well. What is wrong with his perspective? Uh, and I'm not asking you to diss on Bob Woodward, but he says he has all this inside information, but he never sat down and talked to the president, and he rarely ever attributes what he's saying to a specific person. You know, I, I had a lot of admiration for Woodward and Bernstein during the Watergate years, and I've written about that, but, but this latest book does not give any credit to any of the achievements that Trump has, 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 uh, has achieved. But, you know, my book is unique because it is the only journalistic effort that actually is favorable to Donald Trump. 
And when you look at the achievements, uh, you wonder why it's the only book. Because um, I say in the book that he will actually be seen as one of the greatest presidents, just based on those results. Just like Re Reagan, who uh, is now recognized as one of the greatest presidents. Well, the book is called The Trump White House, Changing the Rules of the Game. It is a must-read, and you can find it at all the major booksellers online at ronaldkessler.com. And I hope you'll get it. Ron, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. All right, Rick, our next guest is ready and roaring. What do we have coming up? Up next, viral sensation and Chewbacca mom, Candace Payne, shares the power of joy. Then country star Colin Ray performs all on Huckabee. My next guest became the biggest viral sensation in history when she shared a Facebook Live video of her joy over a birthday gift that she bought herself, a Chewbacca mask. Now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> That's not me making that noise, it's the mask. Here, listen. And she's not just Chewbacca mom, she's also a speaker, an author, and a joy evangelist, which I love that term. She's also distinguished by the fact that she graduated from the same alma mater as me, Washita Baptist University in Arkansas, albeit a generation later. Her new book is called Simple Joys. Please welcome Candace Payne. Candace, so nice to have you here. I got to tell you, when I first saw that, and it was before I even knew that you had been a Washita student, I just thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I found myself laughing out loud. Yeah. And so did the rest of the world. Well, it's really highbrow comedy. You know, I mean, it's a four-minute video and three minutes are laughing. It's so classy. But were you always <laughs> funny, or was this just one of those spontaneous moments in which you just said, I'm going to do something just because I want to. Oh, it was definitely just because I want to. I was literally thinking, I've got 30 minutes till I have to act like an adult and pick up my kids from school. And I'm gonna play for those 30 minutes and go live for some of my mom friends that might be in a carpool lane somewhere. I had no anticipation that that video would go as viral as it went. I mean, like what? 160 million views or more? Um, right now, it's 174 million on Facebook, and collectively throughout the internet, it's over 200 million. 200 million. Do you realize with that many votes, you would be president of any country on <laughs> earth? I'm, I'm glad I don't hold that responsibility. It ain't what it's cracked up to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, did, you could not have imagined sitting out there in the school parking lot that day that this would turn into the opportunity to write books and to speak all over the world and, and to bring joy to people. You know, I think the common denominator in the messages I received following the days were a lot of people saying, I forgot how to laugh like that. Hmm. I forgot what it was like to feel that kind of joy. How do you do it? And it was a moment that I feel like kind of God ordained. Yeah. And so of course I couldn't foresee it, but boy, I saw that it was his hand and I walked through every open door after it and I still do. You let go in a way that sort of was reckless abandon to mm. laughter. And it changed some people's attitudes about joy. It was a moment, it was a sound around the world that said, we can laugh again. And ultimately, we can hope again. You call yourself a joy evangelist, which I think is one of the coolest terms ever. And you're in the midst of, of a tour with uh, one of the most amazing singers, Mandisa, who I adore. I love her. Uh, so tell us about the, uh, the, the tour that you're engaged in right now. Well, that just sounds so silly to think that a lady with a Chewbacca mask is gonna be on a music tour. <laughs> but I actually have been a worship leader since I was 14. Mm. So I'm going to be singing, I'm going to be hosting and emceeing the entire event, and I'm also gonna get to speak for a little bit on the topic of joy and really what it's like to host joy when it comes in the room. 
to be mm. a good host for when joy enters and you've got to lift up your eyes and say, I see you're here, I'm going to engage you. Do you still have the mask? I do, yeah. I do. It's not on the wall in my bedroom because it freaked out my husband. And um, so we had to take it Wonder down. Why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that day when your kids get in the, got in the car, did you say, hey, look what mom got? Did you do it then for them? Or? I did, yeah. and they were not impressed. They weren't? No, no, your kids are the worst critics ever. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. That, that's very true. I, I want you to know the book, uh, Simple Joys, I read the whole thing. The yeah. good thing about it, it's, it's a fun book. It yeah. really is. And even though I'm a guy, I think this probably maybe written perhaps for women more, but it's, it's a fun book and it's an easy read. And it's, it, it's a reminder mm. that there ought to be some humor in life. And, and the Proverbs say that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It does. It's the best medicine we can have. This is really good medicine right here. So it's, Absolutely. it's a lot less expensive than some of the prescriptions that I've had to be Absolutely. taking. One of the things I love about it is that I challenge people to prospect for joy. Mm. Be on the hunt as though it is gold that you have to unearth. And the moment that you find it, keep it and its value close and dear to you. I don't know of anybody who has not just fallen in love oh, with Candace Payne. Thank you. You have given the world, uh, like the old thing, give the world, you know, a Coke. Uh, you've given us a joy and a laughter, and we need it. I hope people will get the book, Simple Joys. Get your copy at booksellers all over the place. You can also order from her website, CandicePayne.me. That's CandicePayne.me. We also talked about the Girls' Night Live Tour with Grammy-winning Christian musical artist Mandisa. That address again for all the details, CandicePayne.me. I hope you'll be at one of those events. Rick, we've got some more Simple Joys coming up for the audience tonight, so I'm going to let you let them in on it. Next, country legend Colin Ray performs. Then, Mike's got a clear answer to congressional spending abuse in this week's rap. Huckabee is coming right back. Well, my next guest mix of rock and country with socially conscious lyrics has yielded six number one hits. That's right, 16 number one hits. My kids pretty much know the lyrics to every one of those songs because their mother played his music nonstop <laughs> and remains one of his biggest fans to this day. Tonight, he's here to perform a song about a man overcoming his alcohol addiction while visiting the city of Little Rock. Please welcome a wonderful friend and a true amazing artist, Colin Ray. <laughs> Well, I know I disappeared a time or two And along the way I lost me and you I needed a new town for my new start Selling VCRs in Arkansas in a Walmart I haven't had a drink in 19 days My eyes are clear and bright without that haze I like the preacher from the Church of Christ Sorry that I cried when I talked to you last night But I think I'm more Baby, waiting. 
Love the song and love you. Your music has just had an endearing quality. But you do something that a lot of artists don't do. It's not just the, the music. The lyrics are emotional. They touch lives. That particular song erupted in a way that I don't think you could have imagined. Yeah, when I first heard, the, a guy named Tom Douglas, a wonderful poet, songwriter, wrote that. And he was unknown at the time. And when I first heard the song, I thought, boy, that's strong. And mm. that, that's something I could really... I sink my teeth into, but I, I honestly never thought it would be a radio single because I thought it was too deep for, <laughs> for radio. And, and uh, uh, the label pushed me to do it, and we put it out, and it wound up being a, 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 one of the biggest songs of my career. But I thought, if we're going to do this, let's try to... I mean, this, the story is pretty pretty picturesque yeah. and vivid, you so know. Vivid. So let's try to do something. Let's see what... It, so we tried something that had never been done before. We, we, we contacted Al-Anon because I knew that they had a, a hotline number. Listen, we're going to make a video. Back then you made a music video for yeah. everything, you know. And so we're going to make a video about this song. Let's just tag. Let's see if they would like to tag the video with their hotline number and see if we get any response. First month the video was out, we had over 200,000 phone calls. Uh, unbelievable. Came into Alan. Yeah. And wow. sometimes, sometimes I think if music is so we forget how powerful music can be. And, and sometimes it takes a, a, something like that to... to, to uh, to, to, to make someone realize, hey, that's, I'm the guy in that video. Maybe I need to get some help, you know. I mean, I think that's the power of it. When you sing, you probably see faces in the audience, and it's like they're looking at you saying, you're singing that for me. Oh, I man. need that song. I mean, what does that do to you? Oh, well, I, I, the reason I got in this business is because music always did that to me. When I was a kid, I grew up at a time when country music was great, rock and roll was great, mainstream pop was great. There was very little junk out there. Yeah. And, and lyrics always meant something. So, so if, if a song, because of those acts, those artists that made me feel that way, I thought, well, if I ever get my chance, I want to try to be like that. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm fortunate that I was around during the 90s when maybe thanks to Garth, there was a pretty wide loop country music was throwing, and so there was a place for me in there. And, and I'm very, very thankful that 27 years later, I'm still going. I'm thankful, too, because your music is endearing. You have an incredible voice. I mean, it, it cuts you, through. A lot of voices don't. Your voice cuts through. We can hear the lyrics. We know what the message is. And so many of your songs have a message, and I could list a bunch of them. Mm. When, when I think about how young ladies are treated, and I think of the song, I think about you. Yeah. I was raising my daughter when that song was a big one. And I tell you, it touched me as a dad. And so many of your songs do that. By the way, Colin has, Colin Ray's 25 years, 25 hits. He had 25 hits that were all in the top 40, 16 number one. Not many people have ever done that. Plus, there are three bonus songs. And this is an incredible piece of music that I would encourage you to get. You're going to love the songs. 
uh, go to your favorite online music retailer. Discover when his concert tour is coming to your town. Visit ColinRay.com if you're not sure where to get the music, but for heaven's sakes, get it. It will uplift you, and you may end up like my wife and drive all over town and make sure that your kids learn all the lyrics to all the songs. <laughs> See, Sarah turned out pretty well, so I think my she music's what okay. did it. That's right. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Rick, tell us what's coming up next. Coming up, remember that $1.3 trillion spending bill Congress passed this year? Well, Mike's got an easy way to stop that kind of reckless spending. More Huckabee is on the way in 60 seconds. And welcome back. Author P.J. O'Rourke once said that it is a popular delusion that the government wastes vast amounts of money through inefficiency and sloth. It takes enormous effort and elaborate planning to waste so much money. But there is a simple solution that I want to offer to that wretched excess in what we call this week's edition of The Wrap. Well, what happens if you don't balance your checkbook and end up spending more than you make? You might be like the young man who seemed a little shocked when the bank called and told him his account was overdrawn. He said, that can't be. I still have checks in my checkbook. <laughs> you don't get to spend money you don't have. And states can't either. When I was a governor, we had to balance our budget by law. We weren't allowed to spend it if we didn't have it. Now, Congress, that's a whole other story. Some people go over their budgets constantly just to stay in the black. Congress just goes over and over and over again and again and again. They don't have to balance their budget, and they don't. They just keep spending and borrowing and then passing the responsibility on to future generations. One reason that I support a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution is that it would force Congress to live like you do. They couldn't spend money they don't have and they couldn't borrow money they can't afford to pay back. You know, the way I see it, if it's good enough for you, it ought to be good enough for Congress. And that is a wrap. Our thanks to our five-star group of guests tonight. Friends, tonight was the end of season one of our show, and we are so grateful for each of you that have watched our show this past year. You better keep watching. We hope you're gonna join us next week for the first show of season two. Until then, hope you have a great weekend. Good night. God bless. We'll see you next time.